may be seated. Mm. I want to invite you to celebrate some of the goodness of God as we hear from someone who God worked through to help change this world. And that's on October 19th and October 20th. General Boykin's going to be speaking at our church. I messed up last week. On the 19th, it's for everybody, male and females. And then on Sunday, he's going to share his, he's going to share his testimony. And another place where, where I get to celebrate the goodness of God is in, is in, a, is in a small group. And uh, th- this past week, Chris and I got to be in a small group with a, folk, a, bunch of, a number of people in their 20s, and, and they just breathed into us. I appreciated their honesty and their, uh, and their wrestle, and, and it just, it's life-giving uh, when we can do that, when we can be honest with each other, when we can speak truth to each other. This morning, I, 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 after the first service, I, I walked off and, and I said to Chris, and man, I said, and I said, was that message a little too direct? And she said, no, no, that, that issue needs to be addressed directly. So hold on. <laughs> Let me start this way. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. This is what God tells us. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Uh, let, me, let me read that again. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Let me just say it one more time. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Let's pray. Oh God, please mm, open up our minds and our hearts to your truth. Your truth gives life. Your truth here helps us to avoid broken relationships. So God, please pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, man. <laughs> Convict us where we may have some blind spots. I want to be words of life people. I want to be truth speakers, God. So please make us who you've created us to be. In your mighty name we ask, amen. How, how many people here, by show of hands, how many people here have ever been a witness before at a trial? Okay, so some of us, some of us have. Some of us have. Um, uh, most of us probably, though, will never get that privilege. I say with a smile on my face. To be a witness at a trial and be cross-examined by attorneys. But I assume that, that if we ever find ourselves in that situation, I assume everybody here uh, assumes that they would tell the truth, right? We, we, we really believe that we are truth-speaking people. And although we may view that about ourselves, what about others? Do we really believe that other people are always going to tell us the truth? Let me illustrate, let me illustrate that point there uh, by asking some of these, um, or saying some of these phrases, some of these sentences, and, and you tell me uh, whether you would believe them or not. The first one goes this way, it won't hurt a bit. For a parent, yes, yes, all my homework is done. No, officer, I haven't been drinking tonight. (laughs) The check's in the mail. It is. Mm -hmm. Of course I love you. I can't even get this car for the price that I'm offering it to you. When people start a sentence with, trust me, do we? 
And there's a reason why this joke is, is still around. How do you know when a politician is lying? When his lips are moving, right? We laugh on cue because we don't trust our elected officials and we don't trust a lot of other people either. Even though we believe, we have this tendency to believe that we are truth tellers, we don't expect other people to always tell us the truth. And with good reason, apparently. I read this excerpt from some study that was done by the Josephine Institute of Ethics, I think it's called. And they said 59% of high school students who took a survey, 59% of high school students said that they cheated within the last year. 21%, not a high percentage, said that they've stolen something from their parent or relative this past year. And then 80% of high school students who took took the survey said that they lied about something significant to their parents. And then 92% of these high school students that were surveyed, with those responses, they still said that they are comfortable with their personal ethics and integrity. Hey, hey, teens, guess what? Um, Adults lie too, right? We, we uh, enhance our resume. We pad our expense report. We cheat, lie on our taxes. Our capacity for self-deception is quite remarkable. Don't you agree? Now, let me bring this ninth instruction a little closer to home. Let, let, let's... Let's, let, let's focus in on the deception that I think lies at the root of this ninth instruction. Again, this ninth instruction is you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. The primary way that we bear false witness, that we give false testimony against our neighbor is through gossip. And my favorite dash definition of gossip is this. When we hear something that we like, oh, we love it about someone we don't like. And then we pass that information along without checking its veracity or the context or the source of the information. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, we hear something and we go to our phones and we text, OMG, did you hear? Or we just plaster it on on Facebook. Oh, and what does that do? It hurts. It breaks relationship. It destroys things. I don't know. I, I think that I, I think that this this sin of gossip. I think it's one of the most popular sins in the world. To to to. To bear false witness against someone, to, to gossip about someone, to, to fame someone, to, to slander someone. I don't know of a sin that is more universally as popular as this sin of gossip. And I think this is partly because we, we all have easy access to it. It's like readily available, like right there at the tip of our tongue. Are you with me this morning? Now, for the Israelites, they equated gossip with what they called the evil tongue. And Jewish rabbis, they believed that, that the evil tongue, that is, that is gossip, was one of the worst crimes that could be committed in their society. 
And in the Jewish Talmud, it, it, it said anyone who speaks with the evil tongue, anyone who gossips in essence, anyone who speaks with the evil tongue, God says he and I cannot live in the same world. What do you think? Do you think gossip is one of the worst sins, one of the worst crimes that we can commit in our society, in our community? What say you? What do you think? Huh? Personally, I do believe that sticks and stones will break bones. But gossip, oh man, it tears the hearts out of people. And when we bear false witness against each other, what happens? Well, it leads to the erosion of trust. And without trust, think about it, without trust, how can we have meaningful relationships? Without trust, how can we have genuine, how can we have genuine communication, conversation? Think of it this way. Truth telling is a necessity for developing and maintaining intimate, peaceful, harmonious relationships with each other. I think truth telling is one of the best expressions of showing people that we actually love God and we actually love each other. That is our neighbor. Can there be any doubt today? You guys can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this one. Can there be any doubt today that, 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 that there is a crisis of, of trust in our country? A crisis that has caused so many deep divisions amongst people that we can't really even have conversation with each other. As an example, as, as an example of this, of this crisis of trust, 89% of people polled in the United States, they don't, uh, they, they don't trust the government, right? right? So, so if I did my math right, that's almost 9 out of 10 people don't trust that our elected officials will do what's in our country's uh, best interests. And this, in this, in this really crisis of trust, it, it, it gets, the tone gets set as we watch on TV or read in the papers, as, as we watch candidates spend millions and millions of dollars, and it's only going to get crazier coming up to 220, right? 2020? As we watch these candidates spend millions and millions of dollars doing what? Slinging mud at each other. Basically gossiping about each other. Basically bearing false witness against each other. And then when one of them is elected, the money doesn't stop. The money keeps flowing in to do what? To continue slinging the mud against the incumbents. And our media feeds this distrust frenzy. I challenge you this week. I don't know if you watch the news. I, I, it's hard for me to watch it anymore. Local news, okay, they usually just give weather reports and sports stuff and pretty straight up on that. But if you watch like CNN or MN. MSNBC, I don't watch that one so you can tell. Fox, I don't care which one you watch. I'll watch every segment this week. Watch a segment this week and see if you see what I'm talking about. It's almost like every segment, they're feeding this distrust of somebody else. It's because that kind of stuff sells and they, and they play off it. Yeah? It's not like they are outright lying about each other. It's not like we, let's personalize it, that we outright lie about each other. Although I think, I think we're getting to a place where we just do that. 
But I tell you this, there's no doubt that the media, people out there that are watching, and for sure us, we color the truth to serve our own agenda. We have, been, we have become the pros of spin. And what happens in our community, in our society, or in our family, workplace environments when we do that? Well, let me tell you, instead of viewing each other as, as a neighbor, as a creation of God, as a human being, that we, diverse in maybe our backgrounds, just trying to live life with each other, instead of, instead of viewing people that way, we, we learn to fear each other. And when we fear each other, what happens? We begin to label and dehumanize each other out of that fear. And what does that do? Well, that continues to build these walls of of distrust. There can be no question that bearing false testimony against our neighbor has had a major negative impact on our country, right? In our workplace, in our family, Mm. Bearing false witness, though, <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. It, it's been around since the beginning. It, like, it never goes away, it seems. I think the first conversation in Genesis, you could argue maybe it's a second, I don't know, but right in the beginning, the, first, the serpent uses, the serpent actually bears false witness against God. Remember, God, God created this beautiful garden, and told Adam and Eve, hey, you can eat anything here. I'm providing all of your needs, any fruits, any vegetable, except for the truth of one tree. And then the serpent comes on the scene and begins to play mischief. This is what the serpent says. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, listen to what he says, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, what did God say? Well, let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. This is what God said. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree. Serpents misquoting God. Right, go back one slide. Remember, this is, what, this, is, this is what the serpent said. He says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I'll go back to verse 16. Now, this is what God said. No, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so in response, the woman says in verse 2 of Genesis Genesis chapter 3, the woman says to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. Now, God didn't say that either, or you will die. And in verse 4, the You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Up until this point, Adam and Eve were living in this beautiful, wonderful relationship with God and with each other. They were living unashamed, naked, and completely okay with it. Completely okay with living in complete and absolute vulnerability with each other. And then the serpent comes on the scene. And the serpent bears false witness against God and raises doubts. Can you really trust God? Does God really have your best interest at heart? Is God keeping something from you that would make your life just a little bit better? 
And as the woman contemplated that, this is what we're told in in verse 6. The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized, "Uh uh-oh, we're naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now the serpent's half-truth bears bitter fruit. It always does, okay? Always does. No, they don't die immediately, but something immediately dies within them. And when they realize what they've done, what do they do? Well, they, they, they try to cover their butts literally with fig leaves. And then when God comes to have a daily conversation with them, they hide. This is what we're told in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He, God, answered. Oh, no, uh, he, that is Adam, answered. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he, God, said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, well, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Yeah. And with those words, the first human community is divided. That beautiful, shameless, vulnerable intimate relationship between Adam and Eve is now being destroyed. Technically, Adam is telling the truth. She did give him the fruit and he did eat it. But in refusing to take responsibility for his actions, he bore false witness against his wife by by, by blaming her for the choice that he made. Hear me on this. It all began with words. Broken relationship, it began with words. When we bear false witness against our neighbor, we assume that they are going to be the ones that pay the price. That's why we do it. I gossip because I intend to hurt somebody. Can you repeat after me just so we can get this out there? I gossip because I intend to hurt somebody. Okay, now we got that out there. Anybody take issue with that? Mm-mm. The reality is though is this, is that when we do that, we, we bear the cost of that false testimony because a relationship gets broken. Not only do we crush their spirit, but we also get hurt too. As I think about this, it all began with words. Speech is sacred, so very sacred because it is godlike. Think about it. With words, God created the universe and everything in it. And with words, God gives us the opportunity to continue to create in this world. I mean, with words, we give life or we give death. 
And I like the way that Paul encourages us to be words of life people here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And this is, if you have your worship guide with us on the back, this is our memory verse for the week. And, and I've been doing this with everyone. I, I cut it out and I put it on our fridge so that I can, every day I can say it and hopefully have these all memorized by the end. But I love how Paul encourages us on this one. He says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And don't, don't bear false witness. But only what is helpful for building others up. What does gossip do? It tears people down, right? What does false testimony do? It tears people down. It's not true. So Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Because when we gossip, nobody benefits, right? But in this way, so, so that they, those who hear it may, may, may benefit. Wow, hearing a word of praise maybe. You see, false speech destroys, false speech kills, false speech undermines trust, false speech erodes a family unit. False speech kills a workplace environment. False speech is killing our country. False speech within a community of faith makes those out there who do not know God yet go, yuck, that's why I'm not a Christian. False speech steals our credibility. Man, you get caught in a lie once. You get, you get caught gossiping unless you're just with a bunch of gossip mongers, and that's pretty sick. You get caught in a lie once. You get caught like defaming someone once. What happens? People are like, I don't know if I can trust you. You do it twice, man. You might as well hang it up. And then when you go on the blab, the blab, the gossip blab, people just typically tune you out unless you're with a bunch of other gossip mongers. And if you are, I say, whoa, to you. Truth-telling, though, does just the opposite. (laughs) Truth-telling creates trust between people. Truth-telling builds a relationship amongst each other as as we hear each other, as, as, as we speak truth to each other, because what we say is what we mean, and what we mean is, is, is actually what we do. And consistently telling the truth, what's it do? It, it, it gives us more and more credibility with the people in our sphere of influence. I, I think of, 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 of truth-telling as this. It's its own reward. Think about it. Truth, truth-telling doesn't require, doesn't require memory. <laughs> truth-telling doesn't require a, an exhaustive explanation. It just doesn't. I, I remember when, when, when I was in my lawyer days and I was playing a political game. And so, you know, like I said, I was doing the spin stuff. I was really good at that to try to get an advantage over a colleague or whatever. I mean, I had to remember everything I said. Because it was like one lie on the top of the other. Oh, was it really a lie? I was just, I was just spinning the truth. Was it really? Oh, man, truth-telling. Truth-telling, it has no fear of exposure either. Because it's just true. Telling the truth is so liberating. How many people want to hear, want to live in that kind of freedom? 
You don't have to be looking over your shoulder because of what you said. You just want to be truth people, right? Where we, where, where, where we don't have to keep track of every conversation and, and everything that we've said to people. Where, where we, can, we can live without questioning others because we actually trust them. Where we can actually learn to be truth speakers by not gossiping about other people. Not just some of the time, but all of the time. How would that change us? How would that change our marriages? How would that change our family dynamic? Uh, If you have kids, kids and, and parents. How would that change our workplaces? Anybody here live in a workplace where you can almost cut the tension with a knife? Yeah, because so many people are gossip mongers or just don't tell the truth about each other. Are, 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 you guys, are you guys with me this morning? I'm told that this is read at AA meetings, and I hope my AA guys, you guys can grab This is what I was told, so I hope it's right. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read parts of it. It says this. They say this. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this single program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do not do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. And living a life of rigorous honesty allows us to live at peace with ourselves and with other people. And what really kills us in our relationships is when we live a life of self-deception. And that just needs to stop. It's not just about not bearing false witness against our neighbor. It's also about not lying to ourselves and not bearing false witness against ourselves. And so I want to come at that point. I want to come at this point this way. Just, just go with me here. And it's almost like a, kind of an inductive kind of, uh, of logic going on here. So just follow me here. As I think about this ninth in instruction, as I ponder it, and I think about the depth of it, how many of us here uh, can equate ourselves with, the, with Adam and Eve, the first humans, hiding in the bushes, trying to cover ourselves, really trying to cover all these things that we may have done that, that, we, that, that, that we think is our truth, right? That, that, so we don't want people to see it, right? How many of us are trying to cover ourselves from the truth that we believe about ourselves because someone has spoken some crazy stuff over us, some untruth? Remember, words have the power to give or take away life. How many of us here have had false testimony spoken against us? I'm not even talking from a gossip perspective. I'm talking about right to your face. Go with me here for a minute. Just close your eyes for a second. And and I want you to I want you to think of a time in your life where someone spoke negative words of death over you. In essence, they just 
They just bore false testimony over you. And it could have been words, and it could have been words like this, and it could have come from someone that we actually, usually comes from people that we're actually in relationship with. So I want you to think of a, a situation where either a parent or a sibling or a coach or a teacher or a colleague or a boss said something to you like this. You're a loser. You're hopeless. You're never going to amount to anything. You're the least likely to succeed. (laughs) You're stupid. You're dumb. You're ugly. You're a sleaze. You're worthless. You're not relational. You don't care about people. You're cold. Your face is so cold. And as you hear some word like that, as you're sitting there remembering that incident, I want you to think about and think about a word that best describes how you felt when that person spoke that that negative that negative word over you. When that, when that person, in essence, bore false testimony against who you are. Take a moment. Oh yes, the, the power of words. Take a moment to think about that. What, how did you feel? Because those words, when they are spoken, they really attack our identity, who we are. <laughs> yeah, okay, you can, you can look up. You may have had a word there like devalued, defeated, worthless. They may have called you that. You may feel that way. Worthless, not capable. Crushed. Broken. I want you to remember how it felt to have someone bear false testimony against you. Why? Because I don't want you to ever, never, ever, never, ever make someone else feel the way you felt when that word was spoken over you. Are you with me this morning? The gossip needs to stop today. The false testimony against our neighbor, against our family member, against our coworker needs to stop today. Don't we long to hear that we're a beautiful creation of God? I want you to understand that in the beginning of the Bible, this is what God has said about you. That God created you in God's image. (laughs) And that's good and that's beautiful and that's awesome. You are a walking image of God's beauty, of God's goodness, of God's love. Do you believe that? Don't we long to hear those words? 
That's why one of the reasons why I love how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which happens to be one of our memory verses. And and, and we hear these words spoken over us. There are these good words spoken over us in a lot of different ways. And I, I love the way Paul puts it here. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Because sometimes we try to define ourselves or other people define ourselves of, of things that we may have done in our past. No, 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 no. New creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You don't have to be that or do that anymore. You are a walking testimony of Jesus Christ. You have been created in the image of God and that is good. Do you believe that? And don't we, don't we long to hear that we actually have worth, that we actually have value, that we're actually useful? I love how Paul puts it in verse 20. This is how useful we are to God. We're actually Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. I mean, God actually wants to speak through us. That's how much God values us. God wants to use us to bring God's message of reconciliation to the world through our words and through our actions. Are you, are you following me this morning? Don't we want to hear that we matter? You matter. Don't we want to hear that we're, you're beautiful, you're godly, you're good, you're righteous, because that's who God is. That's good news. Why don't I see more smiles? <laughs> Why? Because instead... We still want to believe that lie. Instead, we're told, no, 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 no. You're this and you're that. You're never going to amount to anything. And we receive those words of death and then they begin to define our identity. And then what do we do? We try to do crazy things. We do crazy things to try to medicate those feelings. And that can happen in all different types of ways. It's a lie. You are good because Christ is in you. You are a walking testimony of Jesus Christ's redemptive power. Do you believe that? And if you have had negative words of death, if someone has spoken false testimony over you, I am so sorry. If they do it again, don't receive it. Put the hand up. No, not today. I think there's a song about that too. Not today. And if you've allowed those words to sink into you in your past, today's the day to be freed from them. You are a creation of God that God loves dearly that God wants to use to change the world. Do you believe that? You do matter. You can add value. You are beautiful. You are smart. You are intelligent. Jesus Christ died for you. That's how valuable you are. Are you with me this morning? And hear me on this. If you have been a person who has gossiped about someone, if you are a person who has spoken a word of death, a negative word over someone, if you are a person who has given false testimony over someone, when you leave here today, go, pick up the phone, 
go see that person and say, I'm sorry for crushing your spirit. I don't know what got into me. Maybe it was jealousy. I don't know, but it was just evil and I was wrong. And I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And I'm asking God to never let me speak those kinds of words again over any other person. But I had to come to you today and I had to say, I am sorry, please forgive me. Please, I am so very sorry. And then just sit with God and allow God to continue to do God's work in you. To make you a word of life person. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? And I wanna see by a show of hands, how many people here need to confess the sin of gossip this morning? Yeah, how many? Oh, it's so freeing just to get that out (laughs) and let God do God's work in you. Let's pray together. Oh God, as you tell us in James 3, we're just gonna acknowledge this. You say, you say it through James. You say, no one can tame the tongue. Oh, it is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we actually do some good. We, we actually bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse, we curse our neighbor <laughs> who has been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. And so God, this morning, we give you our tongue. And in giving you our tongue, we have to give you our heart because what comes out of our mouth reflects our hearts. And so God, we're just acknowledging that we have some issues inside us that you need to deal with. They could be coveting, they could be jealousy, they could be envy. It could be just that we want to go for retribution. Someone said something negative to us, so we're gonna come back at them and speak and bear false testimony over them. Hmm. Gossip about them, God. So, so we, we we're, just, we're just coming before you and saying, hey, do what you do best. Heal our hearts, restore our hearts, our spirit, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Just please, God, pour out your Holy Spirit and make us like you in every way so that we become people of blessing, so that, so that we become words of life people, so that everything that comes out of our mouth builds someone up to such an extent that when other people hear us talking about other people, man, they're just, whoa, they're empowered, but wow, I wanna get to know that person too because they're just, yeah, they're just full of life or whatever you may have said about them. Oh God, please help us to use our mouths, our tongues to give life. And as we do, God, please use us to make this world a more godly place, to show the world, especially our country right now, that there is a better way to live. Please heal us as a community, heal us as a country, heal us in our families, heal us individually, God. Oh, may we only speak your truth. 
Move us to being truth speakers. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and ask, amen. Will you stand with me this morning and just come to God in this place of freedom and let God have God's way with you.